Well, uh, I've been told that you had a cancellation, so you're going to have to put up with me for three more weeks. And uh, what I've decided to do is to do a four-week series. If you were here uh, two weeks ago, you know I began on this word walk in the Bible. And I shared with you that uh, I believe if uh, you study the Bible, you'd find it the most often used description of, of life itself is the word walk. And uh, we see where God himself was walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. It says, and clear at the book of Revelation at the end, it says that those in Sardis that have walked worthy with me shall be dressed in white because they walked worthy. This word walk, and we all do it. I, I think that's one reason why God has chosen to use this word uh, walk because we all have legs and unless uh, for some reason uh, they don't work with a small percentage of people, we all walk and we understand that the Christian life is a parallel in that um, we make decisions all day long and our life is called a walk. You know, interestingly, I saw a statistic that really relates here, I think. The average American walks 5,117 steps day. But the average Amish woman walks 14,000 steps a day, and the, the typical Amish man, 18,000 steps per day. Last week, uh, I met a gentleman here named Glenn, who, uh, uh, he, when he gave his last name, I, I said to him, but it was also his look, I said, uh, do you have an Amish background? He said, yes, how did you know? I said, you have the look. And he goes, what's the look? <laughs> I said, tough and weathered, you hard workers. And um, physically, uh, supposedly we all walk about 5,117 steps a day. But we probably make that many decisions too each day. And for us Christians, God's really implanted this in my heart. I made one overarching decision, one big yes in life which implies thousands of no's and thousands of other yeses in relationship to that big yes to Jesus. Well, I shared with you that this word walk is all through the Bible and that in the book of Ephesians alone, you'll see this word walk seven times. Now, if you have an NIV, it says live, and, and that would be the same thing, but uh, the ESV uses this word uh, walk. And uh, when I walked the Appalachian Trail, they claimed that it was about five million steps. And that right there, uh, well, the shoes at the first, uh, I, it took five pairs of shoes to make it through. And uh, they get pretty worn out. And uh, the Christian life is not a walk in the park. I, uh, I read about, I haven't seen it, a Jeep commercial for an off-road uh, Jeep, uh, all-terrain vehicle. And uh, it said... You can follow me, but it will hurt. <laughs> We're going over some rough ground. Uh, you know, the ground that, uh, that is the pathway that Jesus Christ would have us walk is not all a walk in the park. There are some pleasant ends along the way, but it's not all easy. But it's the right way, and it leads to the right destination. Well... Uh, you can walk with me through these scriptures in uh, the Bible, 
but I'll have them up on the screen and in, uh, referred to in your bulletin as well. But I also like to say that Kurt has done a wonderful job of giving uh, questions for this uh, 110 groups that relate to this. But the very first time that you're going to see the word walk in the book of Ephesians is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says this, and you, and that's everybody here, he's speaking to the church of Ephesus, all Christians were at one time dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That was your way of life, your daily pattern, following the course of this world. We were all caught up in it. We were following the prince of the power of the air without realizing that we were following Satan on his path. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We were following, we were on the wrong path, following the wrong leader and of the wrong spirit. Every one of us were dead in our trespasses and sins. We had fallen in, we couldn't get back up. We were in bad trouble. Well, after I'd hiked the Appalachian Trail, a friend and I, that you'll see here in a little bit, went out and hiked the Centennial Trail in the Black Hills of South Dakota. And out there, there was this uh, bear, and I got caught by a bear out there. <laughs> now, obviously, that's uh, a fake bear. That's a plastic bear. But uh, I sent that picture to my daughter and my little granddaughter, who I think was about four at the time, when she saw the picture, she said to my daughter, uh-oh, Papa's dead. <laughs> Now, that's a joke, but that is every person's here situation by birth. You know, when your child is small, you can't wait till they walk. But then they start getting into everything. You kind of wish you couldn't walk anymore, right? Well, it's the same way with us. From the time we learn how to walk in this life, we start getting into bad things. And we get ourselves in trouble. Now, some are in bigger trouble than others, but we're all in trouble. No one can take on that bear, no matter who you are. And listen to this. Uh, every person on the Titanic, whether they were an Olympic swimmer or a non-swimmer, was in trouble <laughs> without a lifeboat. Every person sitting here, I don't care how good you are. You had Christian parents and, whole th and everything. Until you come to know Jesus Christ, he's your savior that's your situation. You are walking dead men outside of Christ. You have no capability until God moves in. Now, this morning, we don't have time to walk all through these passages, but there's this list of just what bad shape we are in, and it's, we're desperate. As a matter of fact, there's an ESV footnote to it that says this. No hopeless fate looks any grimmer than that which awaits the forlorn company of humanity marching behind the prince of the power of the air to their destruction under divine wrath. And just when things look the most desperate, Paul utters the greatest short phrase in the history of human speech. But God, but God intervenes through his grace. He delivers us. And now through his power, we walk differently. The next passage says that now we're walking as a new creation in good deeds. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created, it took a new creation, in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, your good works doesn't save you, doesn't get you out of this death situation. He comes in, he gives you life, he gives you the power, and now you're a new creation. You are his workmanship, his creation, his art piece, his poem, created on two good works, which he before ordained that we ought to walk in them. I submit to you that a person that doesn't know Jesus Christ is not a new creation that doesn't walk in these good works, never knows who they really are. You'll never know what God's purpose was for you, that he ordained that you should walk in these good deeds. I was in one church, and this youth pastor was introducing me to all his kids. He had a bunch of kids, and see, he's naming them, and this one little boy is looking at me, and I said to him, I said, and who are you? Meaning, what's your name? He didn't take it that way. He goes, I don't know who I am yet. My parents haven't told me. <laughs> well, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know who you are. He'll tell you who you are. You'll walk in good deeds. I shared with you that I met a friend out there that I went out and hiked on the Appalachian Trail with as well. Now, the way it works on the Appalachian Trail is you're hiking along and uh, somebody's kind of in your pace and you... You spend the night together, and you, uh, you, you feel like, okay, I could hike with this person. So you hike a few, uh, several hundred miles with this guy, but the next guy, and um, this guy is definitely a new creation in Jesus Christ. His, um, his name is Bill Wasser, and you can actually put in Bill Wasser, Wasser in the uh, internet, and it'll pop up, and you'll see pictures of him, and you'll see pictures of him... Um, getting baptized. Well, he started hiking with me, and his trail name is Samson. I share with you, nobody knows your real name. And uh, so he's hiking behind me, and I said to him, I said, so uh, and he's, like, he's six foot four, just as manly as can be, long blonde hair, and I said, so Samson, how'd you get that uh, trail name Samson? Somebody give that to you because of your long hair? And being big, and he said to me, he said, now, Hoosier, you ought to know better. Nowhere in the Bible does it say how big Samson was. He could have been a little guy. I said, yeah, I guess you're right. I just uh, always imagined. And uh, he said, no, it wasn't my long blonde hair either. He said, uh, Hoosier, he said, I was a terrible person. And he said, it was actually a Delilah that gave me the name Samson. He said, I took that name because there was a real Delilah in my life. And down in Jackson, Mississippi, my name is Mud. Everybody knows my life. It's been all over the papers. He said, um, I, I, I was a terrible person, and it ruined my life. And he told me the most horrible story. And then at the end of it, he's walking behind me, and he goes, but Hoosier, he said, that's, that's what it took to bring me to Jesus. That's my come to Jesus story. Remember, I turned around and looked at him. I said, I'm glad that's not my come-to-Jesus story. <laughs> and uh, he was everything you could ever imagine that would be just rotten as can be. But I tell you what, you'll see his pictures getting baptized there. He, uh, the man knows Jesus. And he's a, he's a powerful voice for Jesus today as a, as a person that walked as a dead man like we all do, but has been born again that now is a new creation in Christ Jesus and walks in good deeds. Do you have a but God story in your life? 
but God, but God intervened. But God created me. And I'm on a new path of good works because I'm his workmanship. I was created for good deeds and I'm going to walk in them. That ought to be all our stories. Well, there's other places. In Ephesians 4.1, it says that we are to walk worthy now. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you. And that word urge is strong. I'm down on my knees. I'm begging you to walk in a manner that's worthy of this calling to which you've been called. Worthy. Worthy means in balance with, of equal weight that your profession and your performance are in balance, that your words and your walks are the same. Sam Francis said, no use walking to preach if your walking isn't preaching. I like that. Worthy. You know, uh, I shared with you that I actually was a missionary incognito on the trail with the Southern Baptist uh, called the Appalachian Trail Servants. And uh, it doesn't exist anymore, but... Uh, that organization, uh, I was the last one they ever had on, uh, in the organization that was an actual missionary on the trail. But uh, I had a job description. It was very short, easy to remember. Do you know what my job description was? Be Jesus on the trail. Don't let anybody on the trail know that you're a missionary. Just be another hiker, be Hoosier. But be Jesus on the trail. And I share with you that if you do the entire thing in one season, then you earn this title of through hiker. Early in the hike, people would say, uh, are you a through hiker? And I would say, uh, I, I certainly hope to be. That's my ambition. Uh, knowing that only 15% finish. And not usually as old as I was, very few. But by the time I got up east... Um, People would say, you're a thru-hiker? And I didn't even realize it. I was saying, yes, I am. I got 1,700 miles under my legs. Uh, I'll crawl the rest of the way if I have to. Uh, it's more than my ambition. It's my big yes in life. And, uh, and then I came to this spot in Vermont. And it, uh, the trail's going through there. There's the white blaze that says you're on the right trail. And you see all these rocks. We have a little book, and I pulled it up, and it said in there, it says, um, this, this field of white rocks is a place where you stop and put a rock on top of another one to commemorate as a memorial that, quote, the gods have brought you thus far. Well, if you know your Bible, that's all through the Bible, where Israel would pick up rocks, make a uh, bots called a memorial to memorialize it. God himself did something here. Put these rocks together so your children say, what's that all about? There's several places all throughout scripture where that's happened. Well, I looked at that and I thought, yeah, I'll do that. So I, the next picture shows where I put my rock. There was this bridge there, there and I put that little rock there. And then I share this with you, so I hope you understand this. I said, God, I'm this little, uh, there's this, the two rocks, and actually you sang about this morning. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and humanity. The man Christ Jesus, the bridge. And I took a little rock and put it on top of the Jesus rock. I'm to be Jesus. May I be Jesus on the trail. 
may I be a bridge in a sense, or at least a point the bridge between all of humanity and God the Father. It says here that we're to walk worthy of that high calling. We're to uh, carry the same weight. We're to represent Jesus on the trail of life. That means we no longer walk like a Gentile. That's the next phrase. Ephesians 4.17 says, Now I say and I testify in the Lord that you must. This isn't a, well, it'd be nice. This is a must. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And then it goes on and tells what that's about. They, don't, they just think wrong. Uh, darkened minds, calloused hearts. What's interesting, though, why is Paul telling the Ephesians, the Christians, don't walk like a Gentile non-believer anymore? Apparently, it's possible to start walking the Jesus trail, and if you were here two, two weeks ago, then the blue blaze, to get off the trail, to go back and start walking just like you used to, like non-believers do. Don't do that. You're a new person on a new trail, a new path. Don't. Walk like a Gentile, like a non-believer. Somebody asked me this week, where do you get food at on the trail? Well, you have a booklet that tells you this, but maybe once a week uh, you'll come to a, a road crossing. And it might just be a little country road. And uh, it says 10, down, 10 miles down the road there's this little town. And they have a family dollar there. And, uh, you know, this is no joke. For half a year after I got off that trail, every time I saw a family dollar, my heart started to race. Food, food, <laughs> you know. And they supplied what they knew you needed on the trail. And those were called trail towns. And what you do is you hitchhike in. Everybody always pick you up. You get into town, and you desperately need a shower. So you look for a place to stay. And a lot of times churches would have showers and, and bunk beds in the church. And that was really nice. And those were free. But little hotels, and there's some bad ones out there, I tell you. And these little towns. And, um, get, and, and then you wanted to get something to eat. But what happened, once you get up north, uh, through hikers are few and far between. Down south, you're in... There was lots of people trying, so it wasn't a big deal. You get up east, you come into one of those little towns, and people on the street say, you a thru-hiker? I am. Wow. Could I buy you a drink? Could I buy you another drink? And they couldn't get out of town. There were thru-hikers who couldn't get out of town. I say this, the most dangerous place on the Appalachian Trail is a trail town. Because you forget who you are. You forget what you're about. You're a celebrity. The next picture shows you a place up in Connecticut. The scream, uh, Five Scream of Blondes uh, Cafe, where everything goes almost. And uh, it was actually visqueened up. It wasn't finished yet. But I put that there as a joke to say this. Again, comfort was the most dangerous thing. Other people singing your praises. I knew a guy on the trail that said he was going to write a book when he finished the uh, trail, but he couldn't get out of trail towns. And uh, so what he'd do is he'd hang out in the town for a couple days and then he would 
catch a ride up and catch back up with us. And he jokingly said his book's going to be uh, ne uh, Neon Blazes, uh, bar hopping along the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> he forgot who he was. Uh, the one thing I admire about him is he doesn't claim to be a through hiker. He uh, just says, no, I, I had a hard time getting out of towns. I say that to say this. The hardest thing in life is not walking the straight and narrow. It's sometimes the comfortable life. Forgetting who we are, what we're really all about. Become a, a little bit too enamored with the world. Don't forget who you are, because you've been told. And then walk in love. The next time the word walk is used is in uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God. Now, there's a high calling. As his beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us. And he gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Live a life of sacrifice to others. Don't be selfish, self-centered. Be there for other people. Be sacrificial. One of the most wonderful things on the trail is what's called trail angels that give trail magic. Let me give you an illustration, and here's a picture of the guy. Now, this is a guy named Rob Miller, and he actually has relatives in this area, and they may be here. Did anybody show up that's a relative? There they are. Okay, I, uh, thanks so much for coming. I told Rob that uh, I'd be speaking here on this today. Let any relatives know. But uh, Rob lives in the Berkshires in Massachusetts, and uh, the few miles just before them was the, it was hot, it was the worst buggy, 5,000 mosquito bites, hadn't showered in a long time, I felt miserable. I came out of, um, to a, it was Route 7, I remember, and I was so miserable, and I looked in the booklet and it said that down the road a little ways was the, the Route 7 grill. So I'm walking down there, and there's a car by the side of the road. Somebody's working on a car, and it was this Rob Miller and another kid. And I said, uh, is that, that uh, Route 7 grill right up here? And he looked at me. He said, well, it is. But he said, you know, that place is very expensive. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> it was just 5 o'clock, and it was a few minutes before 5, and I got there, and on the door it said they opened at 5, and it was a nice place. And I saw the girl inside, and I could tell she looked at me. And I mean, you, you've been living in the woods for months. I was a mess. That wasn't the type of person she wanted in there. But then I looked on the door, and it said, had the menu? A hamburger was 14 bucks. $14. Well, the town was like three miles down, and I needed everything. So I walked back out to the road, and I'm walking down the road. And that same car, Rob Miller, he pulls up beside me. He rolls down the window, and I looked at him, and I said, expensive? He said, well, welcome to the Berkshires. And then he said this, what do you really need? I said, well, I need a ride into town, and I need a shower. I need to do my laundry. I need to go to the grocery store, and then I need a ride back to the trail tomorrow. He said, hop in, I'll do that for you. <laughs> wow. And uh, 
So he did, he made arrangements for me to stay at this place where I could do my laundry. And then he said this, and he didn't know me from Adam. He goes, um, would you, if I picked you up in the morning and took you out to breakfast, would you go to church with me and now get you back to the trail afterwards? I said, I don't have any clothes. He goes, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I said, yeah. I didn't even know it was Sunday the next day. Well, uh, so he picks me up. It was the most wonderful time. Now, this was a, uh, I think, a Pentecostal church. And it was a small church, and it was just a wonderful occasion. And uh, Rob introduced me, this Hoosier and everything. And I was going to get back on the trail. And uh, I said, listen, um, nobody on the trail knows this, but you guys could pray. I'm actually the chaplain of the Appalachian Trail. Man, I was prayed over. Uh, I was, that place went crazy. You know, I told you it was Pentecostal. They, they sent me out with a blessing, man. They prophesied over me and everything. Took me out to lunch. I got everything. Got, put me back on the trail. That's him putting me back on the trail. Now I look pretty cleaned up. He was walking in love. Now those pe there's people around us all the time. We ought to say, what, what is it you really need? Or be sensitive to the needs around us. We ought to be walking in love, sacrificing. Imitators of God who in Christ gave himself for us. That's what being Jesus on the trail of life is about. You meet the needs of others around you. You're a trail angel, giving trail magic to people. And then very quickly, we also walk in the light and as light. Ephesians 5.8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that's good and right and true. We're to be a light in a dark world. Now, this world is getting awful dark, isn't it? <laughs> I have a brother that's just very matter-of-factly, matter-of-fact on things. And uh, he just called me up and we were talking. He lives down in North Carolina, talking about what's happening in this world. And he goes, well, Craig, you're the preacher. Don't you know your Bible? It says in the last days things are going to get really bad. We're right on schedule. <laughs> I said, well, okay, that's one way of putting it. I told you he's pretty matter-of-fact. But we live in dark days. Now, think of it this way. We could look at it as the darker it gets, the more the light will shine, right? So now's the time to shine more than ever and not walk in darkness ourselves. Walk in the light and walk as the light. Very quickly, nomad. This gentleman here, uh, this is somewhere in Virginia, or Irwin, Tennessee, rather, right afterwards. About 350 miles into the trail, we came into a little town called Irwin, Tennessee, and there was a hostel there called Johnny's. And thankfully, I didn't stay there because everybody in there caught norovirus. It's something you catch on cruise ships when people are close together. All kinds of people were sick. And this gentleman here, Nomad, uh, he wasn't sick. And there were all these college-type students that didn't have a lot of money, and they were sick and they were going to have to give up their dream and go home. But if they could, and some of them were injured, if they could just have a couple of weeks where they didn't have to stay in a hotel because they didn't have money, they could get back on the trail. Nomad gave his hike up, bought a van that hikers would stay in, and he would travel up the trail and then serve food. So there's, there's, there's some of the people 
that were doing so. Uh, th those were all injured people. And he would buy food and they'd serve it. You'd be coming through the woods and all of a sudden this is there. And there's a couple of others. Walking as the light in their dark world. And he got them back on the trail. He was a solid Christian guy. He did it in the name of Jesus. And uh, Nomad was a light for people that were going through some really dark times in life. It was costly. He was sacrificial. But he gave his hike up for other people. And then finally, we are to walk very carefully. Ephesians 5 uh, 15 and 16 says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. They're dark days, evil days. We can trip up. Um, walk very carefully. Now, if you know that in the King James, I just like this word. Walk what? circumspectly. When was the last time you used the word circumspectly in life? But I like it. Circum, looking like circle. Speckly, your spectacles. Looking all around. It actually means to be very, very careful before you take your steps so that you're certain of the consequences of your choice. So choose and then Put your foot down knowing that it's on solid ground because it's dangerous out there. We don't walk carefully enough. We don't consider it. It means to consider the end of your choice. Next picture, that's a rattlesnake up in Connecticut. There were quite a few rattlesnakes along the way. But I want to tell you something, I like rattlesnakes because they warn you. <laughs> Man, up in Pennsylvania, they'd have these huge black snakes, and they're not going to hurt you except they'll scare you to death. They, they'll be under rocks, and they just crawl out from the rocks. They don't warn you until you're standing over them. Where rattlesnakes, they'll start rattling ahead of you. But that snake represents Satan. Satan wants to trip you up. You better walk very carefully. He has a lot of snares that he's used, and uh, he's tripped Oh, how the mighty are fallen, right? We see it in the news all the time. Next picture. That's the state of Maine. Now, Maine is my favorite state. It's your last state of the 14. You got about 300 miles up there. It's a lonely business up there because almost everybody's done. But Maine is roots and rocks and wet. And you better choose every step carefully. Or 300 miles. It just wears you out. You have to step between roots like this. You don't put in big miles every day. You trip and you fall all the time. It wasn't unusual for people to break their ankles in that last state. Um, that's life. Life is Maine. <laughs> it's not a walk in the park. Uh, I heard a story, I can hardly believe it's true, that down in Georgia, a person got on the trail and after just a little while came back to the ranger station and said, I thought this thing was paid. <laughs> well, I tell you, there's some televangelists that will tell you that the Christian life is paid. It ain't. 
There's a lot of roots and rocks and slippery out there. It's easy to trip up. And by the way, we don't have time for this, but five million steps, if you are 99.99% accurate in your foot placement, you'll fall down 500 times or stumble. I have scars all over my body. Whole other subject. I fell down every single day, but I got back up. That's the Christian life. I was bruised and battered, but I wasn't broken. And by God's grace, I was able to go on. There's roots. And then the, we go on. And by the time you get done, you're pretty worn out. You're like the velveteen rabbit, but you're real. You're the real thing. That's why the song says, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and it's only grace that's going to get me home. So I ask you, is there a but God story in your life? Outside of Christ, if you know him, don't know him, you're a dead person, dead spiritually. But in Christ, you can be made alive. And now, he has a, you're his new workmanship created for good deeds. So therefore, walk worthy of this high calling. Don't walk like a Gentile that is a non-believer anymore. You're on a new path. You're a new person. So therefore, walk as in love. Walk in the light and walk very carefully. And then you make it home. It's all because of God through Jesus Christ. When I finished that hike, I was up at the top of Maine. I had to get home to Indiana. And then my son was a minister out in Wyoming. We were going to drive out to Wyoming to see him. And I, I've been walking for half a year, never sitting or anything like that. And I got in the car, and it's, it's called the hiker's hobble. I didn't know about it. I locked up. Now, we're driving from Indiana out to Wyoming, and I could I get out at uh, roadside rest. I could hardly walk to the restroom. I'm, I'd look like I'm 100 years old. Nobody would have believed that I just got done walking 2,000 miles, you know, whatever. I could hardly walk. And you just lock up. But, uh, and then out in Wyoming, I'll never forget this, there was a big billboard. And it was for an urgent care center. Now, I'm feeling so bad, and it says, urgent care. Walk-ins and limp-ins welcome. And I thought, that's me. That's my kind of place. Now, I say that to say this. Jacob limped because he had wrestled with God. We limp. Walk-ins and limp-ins are welcome. You need Christ no matter who you are. You can be an Olympic swimmer or you can be a non-swimmer, but if you're on the Titanic, you need rescued. And Jesus is the one that comes and rescues you. Do you know him? I pray that there's a but God story in your life and that you'll walk worthy and you'll hear one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the rescue. Thank you for the path that will not lead us astray. Lord Jesus, we still struggle, we stumble, we fall. But may we get back up and get on the path, accept your love, your forgiveness, and go on. And one day complete our journey 
and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And all God's people said, amen. God bless. Thanks.